For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, October 26th. And uh, not a lot happening this week. I think the, the major programming note is that you might hear, um, you know, really, this this really is the big item for this week is yeah. – might hear an extra commercial or two uh, on this episode and, and probably all the ones in the future. Um, it turns out we might have been leaving some money on the table. John. <laughs> this may shock you, long-time listener. But um, we, we, uh, we weren't, weren't paying all the way attention. And it uh, sounds like we can put more commercials in here, which means apparently a lot of people are listening. And, and yeah, which is awesome. And and the more commercials, the more money we receive to drink dad pops during the the games we watch. So right, I'm good. I mean, I'm sorry there's going to be another couple of commercials, but we've also gone four years without giving you extra commercials. So right, give and, and take. The fact of the matter is, we're giving you guys the heads up. Oh yeah, and as always, we will be more than gracious enough to alert you when said commercials are coming. We always do. Yeah. Uh, that is our promise to you. And uh, that's, you know, that's that's our solemn vow. So are we yeah, selling? Uh, oh, is this was this what selling out is? I, I, listen, John, don't let anybody tell you that the dream is not to sell out. That, is, that should be that should be everyone's dream, in my opinion. Yeah, man. We're just chasing the bag. Can you blame yeah. Who among us? I think that's a great point. We have we've always told people if you got to go to the league, you know, go to the league, go make your money. And you know, listen, that's that's kind of how we feel now. So it's our turn to uh, to to share in some of the 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 goodwill. And listen, Matt Ishbia, uh, yeah, hey, see home alum. <laughs> if you think I don't have a price tag, buddy. You have not been listening to the show, maybe at all. 
probably not at all or not for long enough because uh i if there's one thing we're illustrating right now it's that we can be bought oh my god yeah and um you know not related at all to this but it <laughs> made me think like mel we deserve maybe we deserve to get paid. Not, maybe we deserve a raise john huh <laughs> Maybe we deserve a raise. Maybe there's, there's, you know, for all anybody else knows, there's a uh, certain company based in the great state of Louisiana that's maybe expr- batting their eyelashes at us a little bit. You know, who knows? This is, by the way, if you're still listening, you haven't turned us off. This is how Austin and I start get ourselves pumped up for every review at our professional job. Yes. <laughs> maybe I deserve it. Huh? What huh? do you think? What about me? Um, yeah. We've each been fired several times. Uh, (laughs) There's some big news this week, though, Austin, outside of this. 1B B to the 1A news you just said. Uh, Two undefeated teams. Two may enter. One will leave. And East Lansing. And uh, not not only is it just a big game for the state of Michigan and and the Big Ten in general, but it sounds like if you have a pregame show, if if you if you have a bus that travels to said things, they're all coming to East Lansing. Everyone. We might even rent a charter. I don't know. Everyone hmm. in to East Lansing for this one. The nation eyes descend upon Spartan Stadium. And arguably the biggest game in the rivalry that I can certainly remember. And and I just want to say one before I let you jump in. Can you imagine I, – I can't imagine being in the position of being a Michigan fan and seeing this program who you and everyone laughed at for overpaying, quote-unquote, a coach, and then being in the exact same place as a program <laughs> today as your program in year seven of your savior. The exact same place. They are on equal footing as a program right now. <laughs> and, and Mel Tucker did it with tape, gum, and the transfer portal. <laughs> the like, best tape in the business. The gorilla glue of football <laughs> program necessities. The good duct tape. Uh, the, the, the really good stuff. The stuff that you need uh, to go to the hospital to get removed. Um, yeah, that's got to be a tough scene, man. Uh, listen, I, I, I will express a, a bit of humility um, and admit that I don't think it's dissimilar. Now, some people are going to get mad at me, uh, but it's in a way not to the same caliber because <laughs> my man Tom Izzo's career is much longer than Jim Harbaugh's. And he's got, you know, big wins and natties and things of that nature to back himself up. Um but it's not all unlike – listen, Juwan Howard came in and did something that we didn't think he was going to do at Michigan. And this is just, in my opinion, a much – I will say I think it's a lot harder to do in football than it is in basketball. Like a lot harder. Like yeah. I, I think I'm kind of talking myself out of this comparison yeah, as I false, sit here. It's a false analogy. I respect you. I love your opinion. It's a false I tried analogy. to – listen, I'm trying to give one thing, one thing that's not – I hate Michigan with every fiber of my being before I just, I let the, you know, release the sewage yeah. valve and this the all falls apart. Is, the difference is Tom Izzo has finished, you know, with trophies. 
back. It's not even close. So it's not. It's a it's a good try, but I just can't acknowledge that one. Good not, job, good effort. It's not. Never mind. I, I was wrong. It's a much harder sport to do that in. Mel has done an incredible job. And, yet, yeah, that's a sobering thought if you're a Michigan fan that your, your savior, again, there's that word again, uh, is kind of, you know, just, he, he's not Mel. He's in the, she's a shallow water guy. Shallow water puddle people. Puddle people. Oh, man, I like that <laughs> a lot. I'm going to use that a lot. Okay. Uh, okay. We, so, we, so we've reset the table here, but what we're going to do is hit you with a commercial. I'm just kidding. No, I'm <laughs> not, not yet. Uh, I think what we want to do is still our favorite part or one of our favorite parts before we preview the Michigan game, which will be a long preview. We promise we want to run around the nation because while it w- did feel like it was going to be a crummy week, actually turned out to be quite fun. And we, we actually called that. We said sometimes when it looks a little lame. That's the chaos week, and, and we had the week yeah. off. That's fun to watch from the sidelines. So it's 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 better when you're not involved in it. It oh. really, really is. But this was the week that the chaos gods. Uh, this is a trap game for us fans. It's a trap week. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we got caught sleeping. You know what's crazy is you know we're gonna run through these, and and you might be at home and say, well, it wasn't that crazy. Okay, you're saying that maybe because. This entire the week seven weeks prior were perpetually crazy. If this yeah. week had happened in 2018, you, this would have been without a doubt chaos week. You know we're used to shock in this sport, and and uh, it's been a fun year because it hasn't been that way for a lot of it. It started out on a Thursday night where everyone started to think to themselves this could be that week when uh, the Coastal Carolina mullets came to Appalachian State, and you don't just waltz into Boone, North Carolina, Austin. No, there's a reason they say that. And I think, as we all know, real contenders, real title contenders, you don't lose to Appalachian State, Austin. No. We know. If we've said it once, we've said it a million times. Uh, This is Appalachian State's, first of all, I saw just some of the pictures from App State. Wow. What a, what a stunningly gorgeous and awesome place to play a game of football in the fall, man. Just unreal. How washed are we that we're like, oh, beautiful. uh, First thought, foliage looked lovely. (laughs) Uh, That's my first, my first takeaway as I saw that. I was like, damn, that's awesome. Uh, Missed it. Too busy admiring nature. Sorry. Football couldn't take my eyes off the trees. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, loved this game. Um, it, this is great, though. I mean, it, it's. I think what's really cool about this sport is that we're all so excited about Coastal Carolina losing a game, and it's a big deal. And I think that that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, App State first game again, first win against what was it, top twenty-five teams since uh, that fateful day in Ann Arbor. Sounds right. It's a real shame that that kept getting brought up. Mm-hmm. You just hate to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, top fifteen team goes down. It's pretty awesome. So then that kind great of great way to start the week. Yeah, it gave us a. Everyone should have been strapping in after that one because what we saw here was just kind of a domino effect. Oklahoma State undefeated Oklahoma State, the fraudulent Oklahoma State Cowboys. In yeah, Austin's opinion. Heading to Ames, Iowa, and um, before the game, before they lost, 
21 to 24. Mike Gundy got his a, a five-year extension. And not only a five-year extension, they call it perpetual five-year extension, meaning every five years, it's a life contract that they will renew every five, every five years. Hell yeah. For him. And then he goes in and drops an egg and loses to, to frumpy Iowa State this year. It just was a little too perfect for me. The dream. The absolute dream. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. Hey, your job review. Uh, you did a great job. We're going to give you a huge raise. And your biggest client just left the company. All right. <laughs> also, if you're sensing a theme, if you had a mullet, you were in a bad place this weekend. <laughs> you hit Coastal Carolina first, and then the Gundys go down. and But then we had a game that was just plain delightful, and it got buried this weekend, unfortunately, because I think it was on, like, CBS Sports Network. But Wake Forest went to West Point and beat the troops – 70 to 56. I would argue that is the most respectful L you can give the troops. <laughs> when you let them score 56, but still win comfortably. That's a feat. I mean, it's amazing to score 70 points in a game. Listen, everyone wants to say that, well, actually, let me go back for a second. Yes. First of all, major credit to Wake Forest for respecting on defense, just respecting the hell out of the troops <laughs> and saying, we're not going to stop you. We're not going to stop you at all. We're going to beat you. We're, we're going to beat you in a shootout. And that's just what we'll do. Uh, but you, if you think we're getting in the troops way between the troop and his goal, Mm-mm. no, reevaluate. No. Uh, so Fair. yeah, I, I will say everyone's saying now that Wake Forest is kind of like a legit playoff contender. Listen, credit to, to Army for, for scoring 56. <laughs> Playoff teams not not giving up fifty six points to, to to the troops. I'm sorry. That's that that team in is not in this economy is simply not sniffing the playoff. Especially if it's a Wake Forest. If this was Ohio State, I think people would be like, wow, you know, yeah. whatever. But brand matters. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you're. Well, people would almost look at this like a loss. I bet. You know, you know what's crazy. So I 100 percent agree with everything you're saying. But I think what we need to consider is that if. Wake Forest goes undefeated, it, and you'd have to make a case to have an undefeated Power 5 team not in the playoff. It's unprecedented. I'm not saying it's not possible. Mm-hmm. That is that's a – when the four, our constitutional college football playoff forefathers wrote their constitution, <laughs> they were not considering an undefeated Wake Forest. I can tell you that. Yeah, this was, this was unforeseen. I mean, and uh, thing, it's not a reach for Wake Forest to go undefeated, guys. <laughs> like they, they very much. You look at their schedule. I mean, at what what team in the ACC do you look at and you say, "Oh, that's that's a you should, Wake should, Wake Forest should watch out for that team." Like, here's have their, they beaten? Have they played or beaten Pitt? No, they won't play them mm-hmm. until the championship game. Well, there you go. But but, but they're that's just it. So they're right. playing – next they play Duke at home. That's – I mean, come on. Yeah. They're terrible. And then they play North at North Carolina, who probably should win, but are the most underachieving team. They're, Mac Brown is Texasing the hell out of North Carolina. Oh, yeah, baby, and I love it. Yeah. And then they go and play a team we want to be great, NC State, who just dumped hey. all themselves in Coral Gables this weekend. 
Yeah, really living up to the whole terrible state. Hey, we get ranked. Oh, we're going to go lose right away. Without Eric King, without, I think, Bubba Bolden. Like, Miami is playing with a JV team. Like, come on. And then then they go play at Clemson. Don't even let me get into it. I mean, Clemson. Right. Same old Clemson. They're Clemsoning. Second-tier program. Yeah. We'll talk about them in a second. Then they got Boston College, and then they play Pitt. I mean, do you feel like out of those games, sure, Wake Forest is going to lose one of them, but just because they're not good. But still, like, there's just that's that's a terrible schedule. It's the ACC. I mean, ultimately, if they're undefeated, what will keep them out? And and like, what would keep them out is. Well, I think the really interesting thing would be if somehow they're undefeated. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, everybody else is kind of like one lossy and then it's them and Cincinnati. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you do? It's obvious. You have to go Cincinnati. And then, like, I I think it is because power of group, you would just straight up choose group of five over power of five. I'd have to because the game, I know it's one game, but 56 to Army. Uh, can't I mean, this. yeah, you use my – I've been hoisted by my own petard. You just really uh, – <laughs> can't do this. Got me with my own bullet there. Yeah, we got to look at ourselves in the mirror and decide. we got to draw a line somewhere, folks. We have to draw a line. <laughs> with a committee, so, damn it. And here's the other one. Here's, dear listener, let's say Pitt wins out, and they should, by the way. A much easier path to winning out, okay? Uh, they beat Wake. Do you let Pitt? In the playoff, they lost to Western Michigan. Listen, personally, yes. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that because it's uh, it's just such pure college football to oh, me to get true. to get pit. Pit with a loss to Western Michigan on the resume into yeah. the playoff. Well, here's the thing that's gonna be awesome. When we have an eight team playoff, what one of these beautifully flawed programs will be in there. Maybe. And it's going to be oh no! Isn't it going to be the champions of all the conferences? I mean, dude, here's the crummy thing. No, I think it's the I think it's the auto bid. I just don't want to spoil this for you and anyone else, but but I might have to. As crazy as this year has been, there's a very real chance that we're going to get Ohio State, Oklahoma, oh, Alabama, yeah. and Georgia. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. There's I don't apologize. I feel like it's it's. Entirely possible. Yeah, I would say the odds favor it. It they do, but it's more fun to talk about <laughs> Pitt, Pitt losing to seven and five Western Michigan. Listen, let's 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 transition to Oklahoma Kansas because oh, God. if you're telling me that Oklahoma is a playoff team after sure. watching what I just watched, you, I'm just waiting for the uh, like. I'm that. done with Oklahoma. I'm so done. I feel like this is every year where we get fooled into thinking mm, they're going to be this about. thing. You mean what? Michigan? Who's worse at it, oh. Michigan or Oklahoma? Uh, Michigan, because at least Oklahoma can get there. Exactly. But yeah. I, no, that's fair. Stands. Your point stands. They they kind of they they mirage us into thinking like, hey, maybe their offense can keep up keep up with X team in the playoff, and it's just they lose 63 to 28. 
And it's like, well, here's the, here's the other part. What on Oklahoma's schedule am I supposed to be impressed by? Nothing. They beat one in Texas? Six, they beat one in six Tulane by five. They beat Nebraska by seven. Hey, more than we did, but come on. We can't replace, mm. like, come on. That's their best win. Yeah, but I'm just, yeah, right. It took an absolute miracle to come back and beat Texas. And we've seen Texas, I have learned my lesson, are not good. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm just, I'm not sure why we're throwing Oklahoma into this mix and saying, oh, look at them. I'd rather have, to be honest with you, think of, I'd take a one loss Bama over them any day of the week. Well, I think one loss Bama is already in. I mean, you could argue because that one yeah. loss means that they beat Georgia again, and that no, that's beat, a great point. Then oh, they're definitely in if that happens. Not again, but yeah, then they're in. So, I mean, I'm with you. They get seated higher. Look at the oh, man. We're really Cincinnati there. over them. Why not? Of course, yes. And here, and we've talked about it before why Cincinnati matters because if a Group of Five team gets in, then we're going to escalate the expansion of the college football playoff. It's going to happen. But if the Big Ten gets two and the SEC gets two, the leaders of both of those conferences are certainly not going to be inclined at all to be voting for an expansion. Why would they? They're reaping yeah. the benefits and growing in their treasure chest and making it more difficult for the ACC, who stinks, and the Pac-12, who stinks, and the Big 12, who stinks, to get a representative in the future. So why mm-hmm. expand that, right? And, but if Cincinnati gets in, that kind of changes things. You know, it allows the idea of parity, you know, and, and more money can be uh, it's easier to sell the idea of more money for everybody in that scenario, because the Big Ten and, and the SEC is certainly making a ton of money and they could have more money on the table. But as I kind of outlined, they're kind of squeezing the pot on everyone and they, it assures them to be the top two conferences if, if they don't vote forward. So anyway, I, I'm rambling, but it's, it's very important for the sport for Cincinnati to get in and then lose 40 to nothing to Georgia. It's okay. It's a good for the sport. Trust <laughs> Honestly, me. if they can keep it within 40, I think they've done their job. Uh, That's right. To be honest. Well, Mom has lost 38 to nothing in the playoff. I, I listen, I couldn't agree more, John. I just simply couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, so there's there's some big ones coming up, but we still got to finish our way around the uh, around the horn. Here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's stay in the ECC where we're dunking on people. Pitt beats Clemson twenty-seven to seventeen. DJ Ujelele, did I get it? Yep, you nailed it. Yeah, he got benched, and then Clemson's backup, I believe, got hurt. He comes back in the game. Which I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, can you imagine, like, the, your mental state of being like, hey, man, this is not going well. Not just today, just, like, in general. You're benched. And then, like, three minutes later, be like, get back in there, bud. You can do it. <laughs> it's not happening. We never stop believing in you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a, another tough scene. Couldn't happen to a better guy in Dabo Swinney. I mean, really. Um, Did, yeah. Okay. Oof. Clemson's program dead? Question mark. Oh God! I you know what? I'm not rooting against any of the kids there, but man, wouldn't that be sweet? And also, let's let's give them some credit. 
we've gone from they they've managed to recruit people with the single most confusing last names possible. Did you do you want to take a crack at their backups last name? I purposely didn't even trap the idea out. <laughs> okay. But I want to hear you say it. I I'd re- well remember we have a rule. And that is if you're good enough, I will learn your how to say your last name. <laughs> this this is Tyson Famachan. I'm I'm game because I don't know how it's pronounced because I did P-H- not watch this game, but I like it. P H O M M A C H A N H. And I, if for the new listeners, I'm perennial terrible. At, at, I can't even say Austin's last name Smith. Like it's, <laughs> a, it's not. This is a me problem, not anyone else. But you know they tried him out there, struggles a little bit. But here's here's the thing, we're knocking Pitt mostly because the ACC stinks. Pitt might not be, they're not good, but Kenny Pickett certainly seems to be an NFL quarterback. Yes, he certainly, sure, he's definitely improving his draft status, no question about that. I think he has one interception so far this year. Yeah, one. Could very very reasonably be talking about him ending up in uh, New York for the Heisman ceremony, no no question. He has to be. He has 2,200 yards, 23 touchdowns, and one interception. That's incredible. That's, that is... I mean, that's a New York – you get a seat there if you do that. Yeah, I mean, so is he going to be enough for Pitt to, to, to do anything beyond play in the ACC championship? I don't know about that. But he's a fun player. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you have to overlook the fact that he plays for, you know, historical offensive powerhouse Pitt and appreciate the numbers, but – yeah, it's uh, pretty impressive. One, uh, the last point about Clemson, um, I think seeing what happens to them, what's happened to them, makes me appreciate the dominance and the sheer uh, durability of Alabama, and what that what Nick's. It makes me appreciate Nick Saban even more because the fact that he has built such a juggernaut. When and everybody's been talking for the last few years, rightfully so, like saying Clemson is on the same page. Uh, and they have been. And here we go. Like Clemson has this blip year. Bama's never had the blip year. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't happen. The blip is the one loss to a team that was ranked in the top five coming into the season. That has like one of the biggest football budgets in America. Like you know that that's their big disappointment. Uh, it just makes me appreciate the Death Star that he has going there, and it's uh, pretty insane. Yeah, and for 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 all the new folks, I don't actually believe that Clemson is dead. I'm just saying it's fun to watch. It would be fun if it, it would be fun if they were. It's fun to watch good teams fail. Okay, uh, two of your favorite teams played Austin, Oregon and UCLA. Oregon mm-hmm. won that matchup, 34 to 31, in a very entertaining game. I, I was focusing on one player. Kayvon Thibodeau had nine tackles. Four and a half tackles for a loss and two sacks. He's double teamed the whole game. <laughs> Dude, he is. He will be the number one overall draft pick this yeah. coming year, and I just pray to heaven that it is my Detroit. Well, for me, selfishly, I pray that it's my Detroit mm-hmm. Lions making the pick. For him, sure. I hope it's somebody else. Agreed. Uh, but man, he is. 
Any different sports? He's just, he, he's just everything you want in that, in that type of player. I mean, I don't think he, he's not the like Adonis level, you know, body like Greek God that Miles Garrett is. But mm-hmm. in terms of like coming into the league with a full bag, like a full bag of run, yeah. run defense, he's already an absolute monster. He's got everything in the bag from a passing, uh, a pass rush like toolkit that you could ever want out of a player. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, that's, he's a dream. He's a dream prospect. Um, and you saw why during this game, he's just, you just can't contain him. So I don't want to make excuses for Oregon because they did have a dumb loss at Stanford, but I do think it's worth pointing out that Oregon who did beat Ohio state, they lost to Stanford on a drive where if you remember Austin, Stanford uh, was under two minutes left going to tie the game for overtime, and Thibodeau got called for a targeting penalty. And it was a, didn't, oh, yeah. it fell off. It was not a full blown one. I mean, again, I'm not here to tell you what is and isn't. I don't even think I know at this point, you know, what the rule is. Regardless, he got knocked out of the game. Stanford goes down, scores with basically no time left. They go to overtime and win. Listen, you need, Next man up, right? Depth charts. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's worth noting, like, if there was a playoff consideration for Oregon, they do have the best win in college football right now of any Absolutely. Team. Well, so, and that win came without Thibodeau as well. That's what I'm saying. Which, so it, it, I, I was actually thinking that exact same thing as you were just talking through it. Like, yeah, they lost, but I – Again, you know where I'm coming from. I'm always a fan, but like, I think they kind of deserve a. If we're getting like realistically, if we're giving some of these other schools like a realistic shot, like I would take Oregon a million times before I took Wake Forest. I would put Oregon one loss. Oregon, if the loss is to Stanford up there over, you know, anytime anybody Oklahoma is going to lose to, if they've got one loss, I would take anybody. Like I'd put them right up there with Cincinnati. I got a feeling. They would get a long look if it's up to between them and Cincinnati for that fourth spot. So don't count them out just yet. Like they're now, just being said, their offense is streaky enough that they could easily lose another game to some, you know, team that's not as talented as they are. But point being is, I think that win at Ohio State's got to buy them something. Like if if that doesn't buy them some benefit of the doubt here and some some leeway in in the rest of the season, then. Why should these teams ever schedule games against other good teams? I agree. And the last thing we'll say is Oregon, if you're an Oregon fan, you're watching not just your game. You need Ohio State to win out. Oh, yeah. Well. And, and you need Stanford to win as many games as possible. Because you can't have – the L can't be to a team with that doesn't go bowling. Yeah, like, and, absolutely. And that, that's very much on the table for Stanford right now. So – um, lots of play out, but interesting. Not dead yet out west, I would say. The final game, speaking of not dead yet, the San Diego State fighting Brady Hoax, undefeated Austin. Mm-hmm. A playoff push coming from Southern California as San Diego State tops different set of troops, the cadets, the Air Force, 20 to 14. San Diego State, top 20 team now. Look at that. Look what Brady's. He might be worth uh, given a shot at a big program, don't you think? Well, I'd love to see him get a chance. Um, 
not even trolling at all. Like he deserves credit. Like that's, yeah. that's not a, I mean, it is a, a, a beautiful part of the world, but like, it's not a historical powerhouse. Uh, you know, you've had your fair share of pros, but like, it's in that tier of program where if they were to be really bad for 10 straight years, nobody would notice. So he deserves some credit in, in keeping them relevant and making them good. And I, I don't feel bad for Brady Hoke at all. I think I, I thank him for his, his era that he gave to us because it was wonderfully enjoyable. Um, but I heard him say something where he's like, "Yeah, I've I've retired my snow boots, that's for sure." So yeah, if you're in the Midwest, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother calling old Brady boy. I, I kind of feel like he's that's one of those programs where you you just from a life perspective are living such a great life in yeah. San Diego. Like then why why leave? I also okay. want to say that I was rewatching the some some uh, MSU Andy RHCMB or whatever his his, his yeah. letters are. Um, yeah, some old cut-ups and the uh, 29 to 11 negative 48 yard rushing game came across my uh, desk. And dude, that was not only because of the performance, but like Michigan was ranked going into that game. They, I think they were undefeated yeah. uh, or with one loss. Yeah. I think that was the game that did him in because he, because he refused to wear a headset, refused to wear a rain, and oh refused to wear a rain God. jacket or put a hat on. Like I think that was it. When when everyone, I think that's when Michigan fans looked at him and were like, who is this big, dumb animal that's coaching our team? Clearly not a big, dumb person, like has had tremendous success in his career literally everywhere but Michigan. Uh, and, and honestly, he won a Sugar Bowl at Michigan. We give him credit for that, even though it was a flawed year. Like, you know, so, I, but I think that was the year when like all of the, like I think Michigan fan looked at that point and, and was like, he is – He's not one of us. You know what I mean? I, th- I think he was, uh, he was, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, saw himself out by not wearing any headgear in the rain. But like, wear a headset and don't have it turned on. Like, if you're going to do that, how stupid is Exactly. <laughs> and then do you remember that game? I think it was the game with, I, I want to say, their offensive corner went nuts excited that they scored like at the very end of the game. It was like the first touchdown MSU had given up. I want to say like <laughs> since I don't remember how long it's Michigan, it doesn't matter, but he was going berserk and it was like, Oh my God, look at your program. Yep. <laughs> That's where you're at. Oh man. Tough scene. Tough scene, Tough scene for old, for old Brady. But so, yeah, I just, that was so funny to me today though. So things are on the upswing in Ann Arbor as we hit the Big Ten results. Uh, Wait, quickly. Uh huh. Let's take a commercial break. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Cha-ching! All right, we're out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back. All right, John, let's do this.
Oh man, that was, I'm going to have to get used to that. All what right. a rush. <laughs> so, uh, Northwestern and all of their flaws went to Ann Arbor and, and lost, uh, 33 to stand. This game, like every single Michigan game we've seen under the Harbaugh era sounds 2020. And the reason is they boa constrictored a bad team to death. And we see it every year. Austin, you made a point that they switched that up in 2020 because there's a ceiling on that method. And that ceiling is very good. It's nine or ten wins a year because you have superior talent and you're disciplined in playing trestle ball and bludgeoning teams to death. But when you play good teams, it doesn't work because you're not quite ready for anything else. Now, North, don't get me wrong. Michigan should be credited for beating Northwestern handily. They won by 26. Um, they made adjustments at halftime and won the game the way they always do. And there's, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. It works. But it's just interesting to me that Michigan fans went from five straight years of this and coming to the realization there's a ceiling on it, experiencing something different and it failing miserably. Hashtag speed and space. And then Harbaugh going back to the only thing he knows because he needs to save his job because he took a 50% pay cut <laughs> to keep it. And all of a sudden Michigan fans forget like the first five years didn't happen. Like this isn't a type of football that has a ceiling. And I guess maybe they don't care. And that's, Interesting because they very much did and wanted him gone. And we're talking at length about his replacement, Matt Campbell, who is stinking it up down in Ames this year, by the way. So I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Like now it's good that they're doing it the old fashioned way. It's confusing to me trying to keep up, but I am, I am not a very smart person. Hand up. <laughs> I think you, you made a couple of points there that I think are very valid. Um, the, the first is that this is, this is what we've seen uh, with the exception of, I mean, the, the Josh Gaddis era began in 2019 when they had us, you know, they, they had us believe that speed and space, we're going to do some more weird read optiony stuff. We're going to recruit guys like, like Joe Milton who can use their legs and, and make things happen. Uh, which and we see Joe Milton actually doing some good things in Tennessee and clearly a very talented guy. It's not a, it's not to rag on him, but like that's, you got bad. That's what we're, that's what he, it's true. You did get bad, but, uh, it's, it's to your point, their identity going into the Josh Gaddis era. And the reason they went into the Josh Gaddis era was because they needed a change in identity. They, they knew that there was a cap and a lid on this identity and this identity couldn't beat Ohio state and this identity struggled to beat Michigan state quite frequently. This I, this identity struggled to beat top 10 teams. It just, it, it, it gave you a lid um, because that's what conservative uh, non-adaptable football gives you. And, and that's fine. If that's the type of program you want to have, that's, that's fine. I mean, I think you take a look at, again, we talk all the time about deciding what your identity is and being comfortable with it. it to me, I, I don't see a discernible difference between what Michigan has done here and what Wisconsin's done. I mean, Wisconsin 
has decided long, long ago, this is the team we're going to be. If it's good enough to get us to where we want to be, then awesome. That's going to be great. Otherwise, probably going to win like eight games a year. Some years we're probably going to drop down because we don't have the talent we thought we had or we did have it in different places, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, that, that was, that was why Michigan made that change. And now, like you said, it seems as though in an effort to not just save Harbaugh's job, but to save all of his staff's jobs, Josh Gaddis included, uh, they've completely gone back and they reverted, they reverted to 12 tight ends, uh, running the ball 40 times a game type of stuff. Never really, like, you know, the occasion, I shouldn't say never, but like, two, three, uh, you know, actual, what would you call shots down the field a game, but a lot of other stuff, just like very controllable, control the clock and just count on the fact that your horses up front are going to be better than the other teams. Most times out because they're Michigan and they do recruit. Well, it's, it works. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to work against Northwestern. It's going to work against Rutgers. It's going to even work against Wisconsin this year because Wisconsin's offense couldn't keep up. I, I mean, it's, it's not a bad formula for a a good healthy amount of success, but if you're if you, if you as as you define it are are Michigan, is is that enough? Because it wasn't like you said three years ago it wasn't, and now all of a sudden it is. And I think we are we in in the reason why it's so funny. Like I was I was watching. This is how drunk on college football I am. I was actually watching some sports center before we got on here and they were talking about college football and, uh, they said Michigan is like the fourth best odds to make the college football playoff. And I'm like, I don't know how you, how any of that works. And what I've decided is it's the numbers love Michigan because on paper, if you look at it strictly on paper, they are dominating their opponents in many ways, just do dominating. But they're playing inferior teams, and the style that they play works like that against inferior teams. We've seen numbers don't allow for uh, perspective and intangibles, and that is why the numbers so heavily favor Michigan. Or at this point, I that is what I am inclined to believe because I, as a human and not a computer, have seen this story before, and I know how it's ended times before. Now, and we're going to talk obviously so much more about Michigan in a minute, but like. With that historical perspective in mind, you have to question it. Or it really comes down to is, is this Michigan team drastically more talented than those ones in the past? Talented enough to make up the gap in creativity and to, to be able to strictly dictate and not adjust or not? And that's what I think will get answered starting this week because to this point, they ain't played nobody. They have played nobody. The offenses they have played are all individually in their own right, complete and total jokes. The defenses, with the exception of Wisconsin's, which I give some respect to, none of them particularly good. Uh, and now they've got some big boys, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, the rest of the way. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But this game, to bring it all back, not surprising. Northwestern stinks, stinks. And this is what the Michigan team should do to Northwestern. This is what should happen every year. Well, and it, and it does. And back to your point about, you know, people may scoff that we're we're right, not writing off the numbers because I, it's all I can. I, it's hard to peel my eyes away from them. You have to shake it out of me sometimes to realize sometimes there is qualitative <laughs> things to 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 take in and and look at simply what's happened before. 
And you're right. That's what's been telling us. And here's the other thing. Michigan State ain't playing at anybody either. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Then the other piece of that is Michigan State even being talked about as a big boy already is is incredible. And two, I would argue, this team that you're watching is going to be the second least talented Mel Tucker team he's out, he will ever have in East Lansing. And we're already yeah. here. We're already here. Okay. So I'm just going to plant that seed with everybody. It's going to get better. And I would argue, I don't know if MSU is a big boy yet. We'll find out on Saturday. This, I think is, this is the prove it weekend for both of these teams. One of them's going to, one of them's going to have a legitimate, a very legitimate case. I think the winner of this game is going to be in the initial playoff rankings. I really do. I, I don't know how you could keep, based on current perception, the winner out of that. I don't know how that's not one of the top four teams. That, that team will be 8-0 yeah. with a head-to-head win against an undefeated top-10 rival. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great point. I don't know how much it matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't know. matter at all. I mean, the only thing that's nice about it is, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what, these teams got to go out and play even more good teams after this weekend. So the things will take care of themselves. However, it's nice. It's nice to be in that first batch, not only from a recruiting perspective, but from a if you need a benefit of the doubt thing. People are more inclined to keep you than to move you. For sure. No, absolutely. I, I, the only reason I say that is because if you have a team like Oregon, you want to be safely in instead of having to hope teams lose. You know, yeah. these teams, it doesn't matter where they're ranked because they're going to play teams that will allow them to move up. But, yep. yeah, you're right. This is the Prove It weekend. I don't want to gloss over some of these other games because they're so- – I know. There's so much stupidity we have to talk about. Penn State – went to a place I've never seen as a program where I think, what did we say last week? They were, they are the biggest favorites going into the weekend. They're 23 point phase, I think. And they lost a game to Illinois, who I think you could have easily made a case was the worst team in the big Ten this year up to this point. Right. Like they were even definitely worse than Northwestern. And Illinois won the game 20 to 18 in nine overtimes. And I got to tell you, I got a text from my friend, Cam, who said, is this a typo on my phone screenshot? If no, explain this to me like I'm five. Because how could this possibly be the case? And Austin, did you, we watched it. I went. Oh from, yeah. I went from so, I went from anger to glee to confusion. I experienced every emotion known to man during those nine overtimes. I was mostly confused. Uh, I, I that was my main emotion during most of this game uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I I don't know what happened to Penn State's defense because yeah, they only gave up twenty points in nine overtimes, but <laughs> The fact of the matter is, Illinois, I turned this game on probably somewhere somewhere around halftime. And I'll be honest, Illinois controlled the game. Mm-hmm. They, they were running the ball at seven, eight yards a clip. They had one drive where they scored twice, and both of them were taken off the board, off the, off the board by penalties. Terrible uh, calls. 
horrible call. Oh my god, just atrocious calls all the way around. All the celebrations, Austin. Like not like a late flag. Like teams already on the sidelines, with the extra point teams on the field, and flags thrown for the previous play that was a touchdown for Illinois. It it was awful. Yeah, it was it was very bad. But the fact that what what I kept taking away because when I had watched Penn State earlier in the year, I was like, "Damn, that is a defense that is going to keep them in some game." You know what I mean? Like that was the thing I always came away with in watching Penn State. Was like, "This is if nothing else, this team can can play some defense." They're they're getting gashed by a team that's not good at running the football. Uh, a team whose offensive line was called out by Brett Bielema saying something to the effect of. You can tell why they haven't won a lot because uh, none of the guys we came in and inherited have been any good. It's, it's something <laughs> maybe light, maybe slightly politer than that. Uh, but he decided to say that in front of the entire world this past it week. It worked. It worked. Doesn't make it any less uh, harsh, but it certainly worked. Um, and and. I don't think his opinions necessarily changed of his players, by the way. I think he just worked for a week. But the fact of the matter is, if that's not going for them, and Sean Clifford is so far from 100%, uh, yeah. they, they, their seasons, they're toast. I mean, they've already lost two games, so for all intents and purposes, their, their Big Ten title chances are out the window. Um, so I just wonder now what happens. Does this team – Spiral, spiral and fall apart. But the other confusing part was that Illinois, in the overtimes, stopped running the ball. They just stopped. They completely abandoned what had gotten them in position to uh, win game, win the game. Like I think if they had just lined up in the I formation and run the ball the way that they did the entire game to get to that point. Somewhere in there, they would have they would have scored before the ninth overtime. I know they scored one of the other ones earlier on, which Penn State promptly matched. But I mean, some of these. The other thing it, t- it taught me is that the, you don't see teams go for two a lot in college football because I don't think they I don't think college football coaches have any idea what to do. They call Philly Philly yep. once a year, and then and that that, that after that it's like a jump ball fade. Yeah, back shoulder. Yeah, from two yards oh, away. God. Yeah, sound good. Sweet. That's all I got. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing. It was embarrassing is what I think I even texted you. I was like, this is humiliating to watch these offenses go up there. And and they're like running trick plays for three yards, guys. Like, I know it's tight in there. But, like, and then he saw, I think, both teams scored just running simple, like, (laughs) off tackle. (laughs) You know? Right. Like and Illinois was like, oh wow, we we ran for 357 yards this game. Maybe we should just do that, you know. Yeah. And they scored once, and then they some of these stats, man. I, I'm gonna let you read off the Illinois quarterback situation, and the yards per average is the one that really like made me nauseous. It's it's staggering. Oh. Uh, Artur Sitkowski, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a Rucker. Yeah, well, when you can get a Rutgers quarterback transfer, you simply have to do it. Uh, managed to go eight for 19 for a whopping 38 yards. That's a grand total of a two-yard average per attempt, I believe that is. 
No yeah. touchdowns, one interception. Also broke his arm and is now out for the year, which is not as exciting for him. But, uh, yeah, that, that also happened somewhere along the line. I mean, okay. And then look at the running numbers, John. I know. Chase Brown, 33 carries for 223 yards and a touchdown. Joshua McCray, 24 carries for 142. Incredible. Why? First of all, how? I don't understand. Austin, none of them them for over 30 yards. None. No. Uh, Their long was 27 and 28. It was just a prolonged ass kicking, and I just am confused as to how any of it happened. Um, yeah, Penn State's screwed. I mean, it, it's it's too bad for them because I think they're as they, I think they're we talk about teams that are talented. I think they're every bit as talented as a team like Michigan. Um, if you just go on paper, but they are just not up to the task this year. This, yeah, you know. It's too bad. I, I feel for Sean Clifford because he's going out there and trying to win these games, and he's clearly hurt. But uh, them's the breaks, kids. You lose to Illinois, you don't deserve to win anything. But nine overtimes, just an absurd stat it, line. It was so odd to see. And I think all of college football, they, you know, even hardcore fans learned in that moment the new rules. Uh, absolutely. There was a misconception, I think, that in the way the rule was written, at least I'll admit, for me, even, I thought it meant you go for two after you have to go for two after you score um, after the second overtime, which is kind of a thing they did years past if it went to three overtimes or more. Because it was like, OK, you know, let's make it a little crazier. It was just straight twos, baby. Like It was yeah. like penalty <laughs> kicks and it was penalty kicks, but people kept soaring them into the second the tier of the yeah. Brandon Peters, Michigan, former Michigan legend, came into this game and threw a ball, promptly threw a ball, I don't know, 25 yards away to the nearest, from the nearest receiver. Yeah, um, yeah it was, it was some horrific stuff. Uh, it just really bad. Also, what a stupid rule. This was all to go against the seven overtime LSU. I want to say it was LSU and Texas A&M yep. two years ago. Like, we can't have this happen. Yeah. All contraire. You can now not only have it happen, but have it happen for even more overtimes. How about that? So last thing, just because the the statistics in this just are blowing my mind. This was the most rushing yards Penn State had given up since 2013 at Ohio State when they lost 63 to 14. So I want you to consider the fact that a team gave up 357 yards rushing and lost by two in nine overtime. They should they they for all they could should have won. And they gave up. They should have won. They should have won several times. They had chances to win, and they just, yeah, man, this is tough. I, I wonder what this does, because there's already so many rumblings of, of frames Janklin getting out of there. I, I wonder uh, what this 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 is one of those where, as as a fan, that you've just got to be like, I we need a change just because I hate James Franklin so much because he allows things like this to happen. It can't happen. Like, it's just inexcusable home game. And they got caught looking ahead. Home game. They home lost, game. They got caught looking ahead is what happened. So um, just just a wild, wild to me. And, and for the record, Illinois' defense was lights out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% sure where that came from. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't understand. 
they held Penn State to fewer yards than anyone they played this year, and they gave have given up games of 556, 497, 491, 481, 392. Their previous low was against Charlotte. And then they held Penn State to 227 yards. 36, oh, oh, man. 36 yards fewer than Charlotte. And you're like, how did this happen? Just say what we want about Burt, but in his first year, he's coming out and beating uh, Iowa and Penn State. Well, hey. Nebraska. Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Whoops, never mind. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's you're Illinois. Like, let's not get picky here. Hey, this is terrible for our conference. This is great content. Tremendous content. So uh, a couple other games happened. We'll try and go quickly. Wisconsin went to Purdue and, and beat Purdue for the 15th straight year. Shame on all of us for even thinking. Oh, shame on you. I I believe – I don't know if I said it on these airwaves, but I said it offline that I will be threatened by Purdue yeah. when I am good and ready to be threatened by Purdue, and I am not prepared to be threatened by them after they beat Iowa. Like, oh, congratulations. You, you were officially the yeah. other inevitable shoe. Congrats. It's true. Once you put it that way, it's like, oh, you beat Iowa, and that's the big thing? Okay. Right. Yeah, number two, uh, Iowa. We all, of course. <laughs> and then, yeah, you were saying something about Michigan, and it made me think, Michigan is just friskier Iowa, dude. <laughs> and am I wrong? They, they're good for maybe like 1 to 1.5 more wins a season. Frisky. Yeah. I don't know. We'll go back. We'll get to them. <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> Minnesota back on track beats Maryland thirty-four to sixteen. Don't look now, but PJ Fleck is charging towards Indianapolis after losing to Bowling Green this year. The full PJ Fleck experience. Um, that division sucks, man. There's really nothing good about it. <laughs> The Hannibal Burris, <laughs> this sucks, man. Yeah, but these guys are bad. No, you're right. Um, and if anything, this this Maryland is in full free spiral at this point. Who, <laughs> I ask, could have seen this coming? <laughs> I mean, they just it's the blueprint. Everyone has a blueprint. We, yep. we discussed Michigan's already. Maryland. Uh, Started four and zero, down now four and three. It's your DNA. It, there's a there's a very real DNA to a program. The programs are people too. Uh, <laughs> in this, this in Iowa, we've discussed Iowa's many times over. And mm-hmm. Wisconsin, yeah, this is Wisconsin. Every everyone's got one. I think yeah. Michigan State's got one in there somewhere too. The the plucky, always perceived as underdogs that usually that tend to outperform. You know it's. Chip yeah. on the old shoulder, guys. The probably probably very annoying for most other programs. Oh, if we're being mean, totally honest. I mean, that's why we love Draymond Green so much because it just yeah. represented it at so many levels. Yeah, and, and therein lies why everybody hates us because we compare ourselves so much with Draymond Green. Well, some programs will compare themselves to LeBron James, and it's, it's like true. It's, not, it's not who you are. You know, it's like you just embrace it, and it's not a bad thing. It's actually awesome. Um, so, yep. l- last game. Uh, Ohio State <laughs> went to Indiana 
won 54 to 7, Austin. Um, I'm going to say something that's a bummer. But <laughs> it, it's something I said, I think, even four weeks ago. I still think we all might just be playing for second place, man. Yeah. I mean, Stroud goes, they were up 44 to 7 at halftime, by the way, guys. This was. <laughs> There, there may be audio evidence to the contrary, but I don't think I ever really allowed myself to go there. Like, yeah, they lost at home to a Kayvon Thibodeau-less Ducks team, but like, really, like it's, it's, <laughs> it's they're they're the Big Ten Thanos. They are inevitable. They, uh, they addressed their defensive woes. They took yeah. they took the headset away. From Kerry Combs, they told him to Brady Hoke it. You can watch if you want. No, you don't get to, to decide anything. And they turned a corner here. I mean, you feel a little bit because Indiana, not that they ever had a chance, but they Jack Tuttle got hurt early, and uh, they went then to their freshman quarterback. Who? How fun is that for a kid? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> this is cool. I'm glad Here I Here you go, kid. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, you said you wanted playing time. No, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. No. Um, please don't. Yeah, I mean it was just it was just all around tough, tough watch. But yeah, the takeaway here is not as much like Indiana. The the takeaway for me is Austin, I'm gonna let you guess the lowest total yards Ohio State had this season. Oh God! Uh, like, I like five thirty. I bet it's really high because they even got a lot of yards on Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, four ninety five. Yeah, their, in their first game against Minnesota, actually. And sure, great. They, they had five hundred and thirty nine this game, but they had well, like over three hundred and fifty at halftime. Like it was bad. They've only had, as I mentioned, one game this year where they had didn't have 500 yards. The rest mm-hmm. of the Big Ten combined, I think, has 11 500 plus yard games. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they just they roll the balls out on offense. We need someone else to go be the hero. Like <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would love to think that. Like I, I'm, I'm looking for a tiebreaker scenario. Okay. That's 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 what I'm counting on. I'm yeah. Who will, be our, that, who will be our champion? Who will <laughs> who will serve as our champion? Who? Well, yeah. What's ever gone wrong in that scenario before? Here's People volunteering to fight on others' behalves. Here's the thing. This is tomorrow's problem. And yeah. The, oh, big time. Okay. Let's today's problem is Michigan. Let's focus on that, and we'll go from there. Oh uh, shoot. Okay, so you want to run through the upcoming around here, and then we'll jump into a full full uh, game breakdown, guys. Love it. So, as we already mentioned, all eyes in, in Michigan State. So uh, definitely the national game of the week, but there are some other interesting ones. Georgia does head to Florida. Austin, I noted here this is a game dumb enough that Florida I think could hang around in. I don't know if they can win, but it's got the right for me ingredients. Um, rivalry game, mm-hmm. drunk. Um, the game might get drunk itself, along with everyone watching. 
And Florida has no lack of playmakers. They just don't know. They're like Penn, Penn stating it a little bit. They just don't, they're not using it all correctly, but they got the athletes to hang. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think they can hang around. I don't know if they can win, but it, it could be fun. I think you're going to know very early whether this is worth a, a game worth watching or if it's just going to be a, a bloodbath. First of all, I'm not ready to retire the term the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I simply okay. am not prepared. We don't have which to. Is, which is what this game's been called for the longest time. We will still um, do that. We will. Uh, I'll believe that somebody can handle Georgia's defense the day I see somebody handling Georgia's defense, and I have not seen anything close to that yet. So we'll we'll see. But man, I I would love it. I would love it if Florida did something stupid like that and made this made the SEC championship game an elimination game rather than a potentially two teams getting in game. Right. I'm with no, you. I, and Georgia, like, let's, let's be real. Historically, Georgia finds a way to do something really stupid just about every single season and lose a game that they shouldn't. Let's not eliminate that from the book of possibilities here. Yeah, we're, we're, I think, being really quick to crown Georgia just simply because everyone's stumbling. Georgia is the stumbler. Okay. Like they, they are king stumbler. So they are, they are, I mean, Clemsoning was a thing for a very long time. And the only reason it's not anymore is because they won a national championship and got off the schneid. Yeah. I need to see Georgia do that before I'm ready to say. Uh-huh. Because the last time they – I mean, the, the closest they came to not doing something dumb was in that going to the national championship game and doing something dumb and losing the national championship game. Uh-huh. They just waited until the bitter, bitter end to, to Georgia the whole thing up. Uh, and and we might get that again this year. But un- until then, I'm I'm not ready to uncrown them. You know, the second tier, I would call it, of the SEC is just such a mess. Mississippi heads to Auburn this week. And I just feel like Mississippi, Auburn, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Florida, I feel like they just all will give each other eight and four records somehow. Does that feel right for everybody? Yeah, this feels like um, like an event in the Olympics <laughs> where like for like gold and silver are are determined like before they yeah. even get on the plane to go to the host nation uh <laughs> and then you've got like all these other people like you're not even it was like when michael phelps and you know whoever nate and, and lochte are swimming and you're like okay so i stopped caring about who's going to win this a long time ago because we know the answers to that question right but right. Let's get really invested in bronze. who's going for bronze. Yeah, I, that's what that's what the SEC is going to be all about the rest of the way. Well, that checks out because like here's here's how crazy this year is. Auburn's ranked 14th and Mississippi's ranked 10th, and no one takes either of them seriously. Wait, Auburn's 14 again? Yeah. How? Be, because here's Austin. We talked about this before. Look behind them. Yeah. Like, and find me. No, it's fair. Like, find me teams that you sh- can hand on heart and be like, well, I know they're better. Because it just yeah. isn't there. Point. No um, one's good. Like, we've really upset it many times over the years, but like, it's really true this year. Nobody's good. Nobody. So bad. Okay. Speaking of two mid teams, North Carolina at Notre Dame. If you're a um, really big football head and you might want to tune in, just to watch Howell play, 
And actually yeah. Downs, the wide receiver, is a stud for North Carolina. Those two are kind of fun to watch. That's about it. But I'm, I think I saw um, your boy, the number one safety in next year's NFL draft class. Um, yes. I think he's hurt. Is that Kyle true? Hamilton, yes. Luckily, he avoided uh, major injury, which is awesome for – for him because like you said he's he's like a top five pick like I think people are gonna it all depends on what happens with the quarterbacks if anybody kind of pops off in the process this is a game this is a game where Sam Howell can yeah kind of stay because you know Notre Dame's defense is not terrible probably the best North Carolina is going to play this year so if Howell can have decent he's playing for a lot of money to to, on Saturday guys like truly a large yeah. money is at stake for Sam Howell. No, one hundred percent. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, that's a big game. It's always a big game when you play Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I just think it, it has a lot of other implications that are worth watching too. Yeah, I um, agree. SMU undefeated SMU travels to one loss Houston. This is the final big test for Southern Methodist before their showdown with Cincinnati at the end of November in a de facto not play in game to the playoff, but a play out game. So got to survive this one. Sure. Let's go SMU. Why not? Okay. Pony Express. And then the <laughs> final one, as we have to um, by law until, until we finish Fresno state at undefeated San, o- San Diego state, uh, Brady Hokies, Frisky Aztecs, Aztec fever, catch it. Let's go. Oh, I've, I've got it. Okay. I'm all in. I'm all in on the hoax. I will excuse you, fellow listener. I don't know why I called you a fellow because I'm I'm not listening to this after we hit publish. But friend, that <laughs> if you didn't know about the other uh games in the Big Ten happening this week. Because there's some decent ones and some very bad ones, but we'll let you know what happens or is happening. Take it away, Austin. What you what was that? You skipped for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, why don't you take it away? Because I this is the first game is one that is truly yeah. So it's past the mother what has to love. Yeah. It's it's Rutgers Illinois, uh, yeah. and this is one of those when you know I always think we're people that remember the Big Ten pre expansion. Uh, this is one where you just you really wonder if that was the right call uh, because these are just two, two teams that have managed to like, like Rutgers is, is the student that failed so many classes so badly that when they get a C minus, you're like, wow, that's a big step forward. And, and Illinois is the student that is like getting A's in math, but D's in science. And you're just like, how is this happening? Like the rooms are right next to each other. I don't understand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a game Rutgers should absolutely win, though. Who who do you think's favored in a Rutgers at Illinois game? I don't think Vegas should be allowed to put this in their uh, betting, but I, uh, I'm going to guess Rutgers is a road favorite. They are. It's they're I believe a one point or now up to one point five point favorite. But if you try and bet on it on your uh, gambling set of choice, it may just say no. Or hey man, do you, here's a number that you might need to call. Yeah. <laughs> You're gambling on error. <laughs> oh boy, um, Indiana, another uh, 11 a.m. game. Indiana travels to Maryland in another game that I'm not sure is actually happening. I guess this is the game. I'll call it the tier three game. 
you're playing to be the top of tier three in the Big Ten East. That's, that's about it. Yeah, these are two teams at the bottom of their respective barrels currently. Uh, it's a tough, tough place to be. I mean, Indiana might be running their freshman quarterback out there and they're getting, just get coming off some tough losses. Maryland mid spiral. Uh, someone has to win. So technically, mm, allegedly. Yeah, no, I guess technically. I don't know. This could be a 10. Someone has to win. That's how we'll talk about this game. Iowa heads to Wisconsin for the other 11 a.m. game. A lot of 11 a.m.s. Very dumb, in my opinion. But, Austin, who do you think – what do you think the line is in Iowa at Wisconsin? Number nine, Iowa at unranked Wisconsin. I mean, Iowa's got to be the favorite. But the over-under, I don't know. It's got to be around, like, 40. Wisconsin is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And the over-under is 37. 37. 37. It's the lowest I've ever seen. I'm sorry. You should take Iowa's ranking away from them. If they're going to be a road three-and-a-half-point dog to a bad Wisconsin team and the over-under set at 37, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I struggle. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. They're predicting a 20-17 to 17 final Wisconsin to win. And it's like – yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. That's, that's, when you say it like that, <laughs> it sounds very feasible. I, I don't even know what we're – like, oof, this one's going to be a brutal. This is a what are we doing here game. <laughs> um, here's another what are we doing here game. Purdue heads to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> these are just misfit toys, man. The, we we put all the good teams together. All there are very few of them. Good being a loose term, but and they're playing each other, which means the rest of the stink technically has to go play each other. Yeah, and it's hard to watch. It's the junk drawer of the conference. Uh, junk drawer. You think so? Listen, we need we need something. We got this table's got a wobbly leg. There, what do we have that can prop the rest of this conference table up? I just look I in the junk drawer. There's got to be something in there. I love that the ACC is just one big junk drawer. It is. Yes. <laughs> it's one junk drawer, and then most years Clemson is like, oh, there's a dollar bill in here? Wow. <laughs> hey, look, I got a Buffalo Wild Wings gift card in here. Yeah. This is loaded? <laughs> this is Holy crazy. crap. A Dave & Buster's power card? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Yeah, this is a tough week, everybody. Um, speaking of junk, Minnesota travels to Northwestern. And um, I don't know. For the sake of having one Ope game this week, I threw it on this one because yeah. Minnesota always plays to their competition, it feels like. I think this is the – Evanston sure to be on fire this weekend, by the way. This is the one – I can't believe this game got the 230 nod, by the way, over <laughs> any of these others. Uh, electric atmosphere in 50 – I mean, range. talk about it. You, the, the most exciting thing they're going to show during this game are the shots of the kids studying in the library as they cut back to the field and they show – this one might feature someone reading a book in the stands. I'm willing to go that far. My favorite kind. And I bet, you know what's funny, is this game will be good to the wrong word. 
it might be a decent football game between two bad teams. Entertaining yeah. is maybe the word. But still, yet there will be someone with a book in the stands. No question. No question. They'll like look up and like to give one like fist pump when somebody scores, and then that'll be it. <laughs> They'll be distracted by the band striking up after it. It's, it's kind of loud, guys. Hey, hey, not to be that guy, but uh, you turn it down a little bit. Loud? I don't know. I usually come in here to study. This is a, this is a public place. This is for yeah. everybody. I didn't realize you can just play an instrument wherever you wanted here. All right, cool. Oh man! It, and so we, I mean, tune in if you feel like it. You might be coming off a big high. Who knows? If you if you feel like it, that's great. I love that. That's that's the perfect encapsulation of the energy that we're on display for this one. Penn, you want to watch? Whatever. Who cares? Half at it, Hoss. Your, yeah. your body, your choice. Penn State <laughs> travels to Ohio State in a game that was going to be a lot, at least. I don't know if it would have been good, but um, had more appeal because the number 20 team in the country is traveling to the number five team in the country. And Ohio State's a 19-point favorite. And I don't know if it's enough. Yeah, I would – if I was a betting man, I would I would take Ohio State minus 19 and not really think twice about it, especially <laughs> after what I saw uh, from their run defense last – Last weekend, and and the uh, the other part of this is like, this is one where it's you're like, why even play this game? Like, <laughs> truly, I I truly feel that way because even if Ohio State is a bad day, they have a bad day. First, it's a night game. First of all, really rude to do to Penn this Penn State version of this team. Uh, if if for some reason Ohio State has a bad offensive day, they're going to score over thirty points, and there's no chance in hell mm-hmm. that this Penn State team with a uh, non, not yeah, a broken Sean Clifford. There's no chance he's gonna. They're gonna score that many points, dude. And I want you to think about this. <laughs> this game circled on everyone's calendar for at the beginning of the year because Penn State, up until recently, was pretty head and shoulders above everyone else as far as a contender to Ohio State yeah. round. And you, at the beginning of this, are. Essentially, maybe not wrongly saying, why do it? <laughs> I mean, that's just how I feel. It's just a bummer. I mean, at least we've scratched one Big Ten team off the list as like a real threat. You know what I mean? That's that's where we're at. We're down to three. Yeah. And we're really down to one and then two that are like, hey, who gets to get blasted and still only be the second best? Yeah, pretty much. But um, as we mentioned prior, that's tomorrow's problem. Uh, Big time. All right, should we take another commercial break and jump into the preview? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Now we're back. Okay. Oh. Time to get serious, folks. All right. So let's, I'm going to run through some numbers, and then, Austin, you're going to tell me maybe why they're wrong, maybe why they're right, and what we should look for. So – Indisputably, Michigan heads into Michigan State Spartan Stadium for a noon kick on Fox. That much we can agree on. Mm-hmm. The rest is up for debate. The line <laughs> is at four and a half points for Michigan. It started at three and a half. See where it goes. I think it might settle at four, I would I would put. Um, the computers say uh, there's approximately a 40% chance that Michigan State wins this game. 
And that's when I combine FBI, team rankings, SP plus, 538. Maybe I sprinkled my own in there too. Who knows? I'll never tell. And I have a prediction that I don't feel like making. And because it makes me feel bad. And if, if you, we'll see if I come back to it. Cause I might, um, I might poke holes in the own, in my own, uh, point predictor. Michigan, two and four last year. We talked about they, they reverted back to, Harbaugh ball, and I don't know. We'll see. And the fans in Ann Arbor will tell you it's a different year. It's a different team. It's going to be different this time. I don't know why or what they see that I, everyone else isn't, but that's why they play the games. Austin, talk me through their 37.7 points per game, which is 15th in the nation, versus Michigan State's stout 18.7 points per game. 19th best in the nation. This is really what you feel the biggest area of the game. Yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but the numbers love Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it's not difficult to see why. You look at it on paper, they dominate opponents, they run the ball down their throat, and that equates to a lot of time of possession. That equates to, um, more plays than your opponents because you are running long extended drives. Um, and to Michigan's credit, it, it's tough to argue with when, when you look at the numbers on, on paper. I think, but the, it comes back to the point I was making before where really this week you're going to find out this week, I, I think tells you the entire story of this Michigan team. You will know if they are. Like if they're, if talent can carry them further than it normally does, if this team is that level of talent, then they can, then, then they'll come out and they'll do the same thing they've always done when they're playing hardball and they'll run the ball down Michigan State's throat and they'll win the game. It's not a possibility that's out. It's not an unfathomable possibility. Now, I think there's two things to take into consideration here. The first, is that Michigan State, talent-wise, is going to be on another level from anybody outside of maybe Wisconsin that Michigan has played thus far. And I think that's a big deal uh, because, again, when the talent becomes real, that's when the challenges typically pile up most times to an unsurmountable level for Michigan. Um, Nebraska's defense also pretty darn good, but – you know, Michigan put up points on them. So again, credit, credit to U of M. So uh, I think that the other difference is that again, the, the non numbers related things where we, we've seen this movie before, right? Like we, we've seen that the, the wheels fall off at some point. They're coming in to, uh, to Michigan state. They're, they're going to a place where they are hated, absolutely hated, which I think is not an atmosphere these guys have played in in the last two years. So to me, there's something to be said for that. Um, and then defensively, I think really when you come back to scheme, the way MSU's defense is structured and, and organized and what they, what they do is they force opponents, or what they give opponents is our short throws to the flanks. And you've made the analogy before or really made the comparison. Under Pan Arduzzi, the idea was, Make a quarterback make NFL throws. Like we're going to come up, we're going to bump and run you, 
And if you can make that nice throw down the sideline, if you can make that second or third read, then you're going to beat us because you're going to be able to make those throws. We saw it happen, but a lot of times we didn't see it happen. Now, this defense, the Scotty Hazleton defense, kind of puts flips that on its head, and they say we are going to give you the easy throws, but we're going to make you dink and dunk your way down the field. We're not going to give up these big plays. And the thing that allows that to happen is, first of all, great tackling from your secondary, which we've seen pretty much all year. Uh, and the second is a stout run defense. Um, Michigan State typically puts anywhere from five to, you know, uh, Six to eight guys up in the box. Xavier Henderson, you've seen Angela Gross. Henderson more often than not is a guy that kind of comes down and plays like that third linebacker-ish uh, type of role, which is something I would expect to see quite a bit in, in this game. Um, and, and that makes me think that this is a really good matchup for Michigan State because it's going to go one of two ways. Like, it's really going to be strength on strength if, if because if Michigan tries to do – what they normally do, what they've always done, MSU's got the horses to hang with them. And they got, they've done it all year again, against admittedly not like this amazing competition. Michigan's going to be the same way MSU is. Michigan's going to be the most talented team that MSU's faced by, yeah, I still think Miami's pretty darn talented, but point, point is it's going to be a very, very talented team that they're facing. But I think MSU's up to the test from a running perspective. Uh, the other thing is, if Michigan tries to convert and play to the style that MSU dictates for them, it's perfect. They're playing right into Michigan State's hands. What MSU wants to do is, again, make the quarterback win the game because they're counting on the fact that the quarterbacks you play 99% of the time in college football are not good enough to, to beat you single-handedly. Cade McNamara certainly falls into that category. He's a guy that's a caretaker. He's going to make a handful of, you know, true game manager plays for you. But I don't think if MSU is able to shut down that running game, Cade McNamara is going to be the one to go out there and make these plays down the field, sit back into his second, third read, and pick you apart. He hasn't done it yet so far in his career, and he doesn't have this big, powerful arm that makes me think he's going to drop these bombs all over the field and and, and just, you know, ruin MSU's game plan. So, you know, I it's a long-winded way of saying if Michigan's – talent offensively is truly that much superior to Michigan State's, then they might be able to just go and dictate the game and just run the ball down MSU's throat and win that way. They might. But if MSU is able to keep them in second and eight instead of second and five, which is where they get to on their first running play quite often, then you're putting them in a position where they have to go away from their strengths. And when they have to go away from their strengths, that's where Cade McNamara becomes a liability. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think MSU's run – Michigan hasn't faced a defense that cons- consistently has kept them behind the chains. I think Michigan State can do that. And if they – and then, the, the, yeah, my whole point is that Michigan State needs to make Cade McNamara try to win this game, and that all starts by slowing down that, that running game. So that's my long-winded uh, breakdown. I hear it. Makes sense. I think you know the biggest takeaway is. I'm not, it would be fair to say that if Michigan is dominating on the ground, I don't. It's going to be a could be a long afternoon. Yep. If if they're not, and you can see noticeably on this line of scrimmage that MSU is holding their own, we we might have a ball game on our hands. That's that's. You know, it's not to say that 
MSU can't start slowly and pick it up because of their depth. I'm just saying, like, that's a pretty going to be a pretty good indicator off the bat, right? And then, you know, so that's plan, you know, the thing to look out for number one. The other thing is, as you kind of were alluding to, is that this gets a little interesting is, you know, as we talk about at Michigan and Harbaugh is the, the boa constructor. Because they haven't been put in situations that force them to go away from plan A at any time, because plan A worked. If they're ever forced to go to plan B, their starting quarterback and the team in general have not been really faced with too many A times where they've had to do things under duress or through adversity and, and do things um, off schedule. And they don't practice it because they're so busy playing Ram ball that they, they lose track of the fact that there are going to be difficult situations down the line that you might want to start prepping your guys for. Not trying to lose, not putting yourself in at disadvantageous situations on purpose so that you might not put yourself in a position to, to, uh, win, but later in game saying, you know what? Here's a wrinkle. Here's a thought. And not just to put things on paper. It's so that you guys can practice them because they're going to come into East Lansing, which is going to be a lot more hostile than it was in Lincoln, Nebraska, by the way. Mm-hmm. They talk about how nice those fans are, for God's sakes. <laughs> Different situation here. Um, and that's a game where Nebraska, for all intents and purposes, like with Michigan State's game, for what it's worth, had Michigan um, dead to rights. And they Nebraska their way to a loss. Yep, you know, you're so right. If you forget, had the ball with under four minutes to go, 29 to 29, and he fumbled the ball. Now yep. Michigan should get credit for, for um, forcing it, but, but that is not off script from what Nebraska always does. Just saying, it feels like a similar situation, but Michigan State has a better football team than Nebraska. Uh, I look at this game again, and if we're concentrating on numbers, it's amazing to me that all these numbers are so uh, in love with Michigan when I consider the fact that they throw the ball for 159 yards a game, I think is what it comes out to. Like, let's see here. Yeah, 159 159 yards a game. Their leading receiver, Cornelius Johnson, averages 44 yards a game receiving. They maybe they haven't had to do it, but to your point, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like it doesn't like if you if they get put in positions where that running offense isn't working, this is going to be the first time that Cade McNamara has to come out and try and win a game for them. That is in this situation against a talented defense that hates your guts on the road in the most hostile environment outside of I'll give Columbus on equal footing with Michigan State that you're going to face. That's an awful time to have to prove that. And honestly, that's kind of malpractice on your coach to not put you in some of these situations and try some things just to, A, just to put them on tape, which I think is half of what Mel Tucker's done in, with all these trick plays early in the year, to be honest with you, uh, or Jay Johnson, I should say. But B, just, to, just so that when the time comes and your ears get hot and you know you've got to make a play, you feel like you've been there before. They have not even been anywhere close. Again, like you said, Nebraska, Nebraska, their way, they should have won that game. And there's no question they should have won that game. 
But Michigan, aside from that, hasn't hasn't put their feet to the fire, especially offensively. And again, this isn't to say that they can't do it. It, it might be possible that they're really just that talented. It, it's not unfathomable. I don't think it's likely, but it's not unfathomable. Um, but the bottom line is they do have two good – their passing game is not something you ever need to be scared about. The thing that should scare you is if, like you said, they can run the ball. Because if they can run the ball with with authority, call it, where they're putting up five, six yards. Because it's not always – it's not these huge running plays. I feel like when you watch Ohio State run the ball, it's for these big chunks, 30, 25, 30-yard 30 chunks. And, again, not to say that Blake Corum can't do that. He's got a 67-yard uh, rush this year. Hassan Askins is a 50-yarder. But they're putting up, like, five and six yards to carry, which, again, it's great. If they're going to be out there actually doing that, they're putting up five, six yards of carry on first down, especially. Uh, MSU is going to find themselves in a position where play action can actually be pretty dangerous. And that's where Cade McNamara can make probably some easier reads to his tight ends like Eric Hall uh, and kind of get down the field a little bit more. Um, so that that is it all starts with that running game. And, and if I'm Michigan State, I. I pack that line. I bring Henderson up and I make Cade McNamara beat me. I make him beat me. I say corners. I, I just stick with the same game plan, except you bring a safety up. You trust that Angelo Gross can play, uh, you know, kind of patrol cop in the back. And you hope that your corners don't blow assignments because that's the only way that they're going to pop any big plays on you. So um, yeah. defensively, I think MSU could be up to the challenge. Yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting, right? Average 190 yards uh, passing offense. A lot of people argue they didn't really need to throw. And, you know, as we said, credit to them for not needing to be in situations. But also, I think, as we keep saying, the knock is you got to put – it's it's a just un, – it's a little unfair sometimes to put – your guys in really difficult situations for the first time when it's completely avoidable. And Mm -hmm. and that's what's happening here. Now, um, Michigan State's passing defense gives up 285 yards a game. It's 121st in the nation out of 130 teams. It's by design. And and I think if, if, if we can get anything across to everyone today is the opportunity is to every team that Michigan State has played yet the quarterback threw for their most attempts that season and the least yards per attempt. So they're just making you play a, a they're asking you to gain NFL game manage and, and without the big playability, they're saying be a, you're going to have to throw the ball 50 times a game, but you can't make any mistakes. Okay. And maybe you can get, them doing that, some quarterbacks definitely have. But when a push comes to shove down in the red zone where you need to execute, can you do it? Because the rushing, the opportunity isn't there. That's what Michigan State's defense is designed around. The other piece is you hold Michigan to field goals, you have an opportunity. And by the way, does Moody make all of them? Who knows? He's an excellent kicker for Michigan, by the way. But um, now the pressure's on. In, in that situation as well gives Michigan state's offense an opportunity because I think another place where the numbers lie a little bit, Austin is how good Michigan state's offense has been this year. I'm not sure it's as good as the stats are showing us. I don't know. Do you feel like that's fair? 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, well, I certainly, I have like a half, I have like a 50-50 take on that. I think okay. that the, if you're looking at the numbers for a indicator of consistent performance, yes, they are, they're misleading. Because I think what we've seen out of MSU is there are some really high highs. When the highs are high and they're hitting, they are as potent as a lot of teams in the country. Not every team, obviously, but like a lot of teams in the country. And they score enough points to stay in the majority of of games against teams you're going to play that aren't named Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia. I, that, that's what we've seen. I mean, there is talent all over that offense. Kenneth Walker's obviously fantastic. The two receivers are unbelievable. Trey Mosley deserves credit. Peyton Thorne uh, has been at his best really, really good. But they have been, and we've seen them, it's happened twice now, the second half against Nebraska and then a lot of the game against Indiana where things just kind of go flat. And the common theme in those two things, those two periods, would be when Kenneth Walker is not able to do kind of what we talked about the Michigan running backs doing. When he can't get you those four yards, when he's, when MSU's behind the sticks, that's when the trouble starts. And now, I, I think the, I don't want to call it a reliance on the big play, it, but what gives me some solace is that MSU can still hit big plays when he's not at his best. If you remember from last week, Jaden Reed, I rewatched it today. He straight up dropped an 80 yard touchdown pass. And Peyton Thorne missed another read to Naylor, which should have been an easy read, which would have been another 50 plus yard touchdown pass. I mean, MSU was, I think I said this last week, they're two plays away from winning that game by three scores. I mean, it's not this unfathomable thing, and we would have seen it, and we would have all felt a whole lot different, even through all of that frustration, of which there was a lot we would have come away from that game feeling a lot different if those two plays had been made. So I, I, the, the dry spells scare me, no question, but the ability to hit that big play is, is encouraging, especially because we saw MSU do it with inferior talent time and time again last year. Now they have a new defensive coordinator, but, um, a lot of the same faces on that side of the ball. We saw MSU do it effectively last year. We've seen him do it a lot more effectively and more consistently this year. But I think they need to work in some new wrinkles. They're going to have to find ways to stay ahead of the sticks. And because I'm not sure that they're going to be able to, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball all that effectively in this game. That's what scares me. Yeah, that's, that's probably a fair take. Austin, I'm going to give you two sets of stats for you to chew on. One's not awesome. One is awesome. So we'll start with the not so awesome. Uh, SP plus defense. It's our favorite stat. Uh, Bill Connolly's formula, uh, ranks defenses and throws out garbage time and kind of gives you a better idea of who teams really are. Northwestern's defense is 25th in the nation. MSC scored 38 points. Miami's is 37th in the nation. Michigan State scored 38 points. Nebraska's is 24th in the nation. Michigan State scored 23. Western Kentucky's 97th. Michigan State scored 48. Rutgers, 29th. MC scored 31. Indiana, 27th. Michigan State scored 20. Michigan, 9th best defense in the country. So the most difficult teams, uh, defenses Michigan State's played, Indiana's, which is 27th. MC scored 20. 
And against Nebraska, who's 24th, Michigan State scored 23. And uh, Northwestern, who's now 25th, MSU scored 38. I think the tape's out there. I think you know who Kenneth Walker is now, and you can plan for him, which is different than what Northwestern had availability to do. So I'm going to call that one the outlier. So that's the bad news. Okay. Here's some good news. Last year was a wonky year, if you remember correctly. And, <laughs> and uh, why would you say that? We had some, we had some funny scheduling, and um, there were no bye weeks built in. <clears throat> but we did have uh, as a cancellation, and Michigan State uh, versus Maryland was canceled midweek, about a Thursday, and the next week MSU played Northwestern. So uh, Mel Tucker and team had about nine or ten days to prepare for that Northwestern game, a top ten Northwestern team. And you all know Michigan State won that game. Biggest win of the season. Now MSU has 14 days to prep for a top ten team. you got to feel okay about that and that you're going to start to see some new things. Because if you recall in that Northwestern game, Michigan State couldn't run the ball to save their soul. And then in that game, they were able to turn it on out of nowhere. Wrinkles were had. Changes were made. Big time result. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're talking about, well, I want to go to the first thing, the first set of numbers that you gave and chew on that one first. I think that knife cuts both ways because the stats about Michigan, super impressive, top 10 defense, all that good stuff. If you look at the teams that they have played, it is a, and I use this word not lightly, pathetic, pathetic group of offenses that they have played. So quite frankly, I would expect their defense to be that good because A, they're that talented. They've got – in Aiden Hutchinson, they have a player that very few teams in the country have. He's a phenomenal player. going to be a top five, top ten draft pick next year. I, I expect him to make a few plays in this game. No question. He's going to get doubled a ton, but he's going to make a lot of plays in this game. The offenses that they have played against, and I don't know where they rank in terms of national offense or anything like that, but I'm just going off what I've seen from these teams. Western Michigan. Washington, one of the worst offensive teams you'll ever watch play football. Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, we already know they're terrible. Northwestern, and then we'd take one step back and talk about Nebraska. Nebraska, the only one in there that I would call a um, above-average offense, an offense that should put a little bit of fear into you. And they put up 29 points. And to your point, they should have scored at least 32 and they ended up blowing that game. Michigan played a team that could run the ball on them and kept them guessing and went kind of toe-to-toe with them with inferior offensive talent compared to the defensive talent that Michigan had. And they gave up points, and that was on the road at night, not dissimilar to what we're talking about now. Adrian Martinez had 18 completed passes for 291 yards in that game. I mean, this is – Nebraska is a chaos team, and I don't know that we should use them as a barometer – but when we talk about when you're measuring Michigan's defensive performance, it has to come in the context of they have played 
garbage offenses. None of those offenses can do what Michigan State's can. And is Michigan State some super elite offense the way that the numbers said they were at the beginning of the season? Absolutely not. Is this, does there need to be context? Because I'm not sure that the defenses MSU have played are these incredible units either. Absolutely. So I kind of think these, this, this cuts both ways. Is MSU's offense what it says it is numbers wise? Probably not because of the context of the teams they've played. Is Michigan's defense? Definitely not because of that context of the defenses, the offenses that they've played. So that's why I kind of go back more to structure. And I think about the way Michigan State attacks a game and the the things that they have proven they can do. They've hit big plays in every single game or had the ability to if without two, a drop and a bad read. Like, they have hit explosive plays in the ground game, in the pass game. We've seen multitude of contributors. So Michigan can't come in and say, if we just shut down Kenneth Walker, this game is ours. If we just shut down Jaden Reed, this game is ours. If we just shut down Jalen Neal, this game is ours. Because those are three weapons you have to account for. And Michigan hasn't played a team that has anything close to that. So from a game plan perspective, from an execution perspective, all they had to do was stop Ricky White last year and they couldn't do it. And I know that's an unfair parallel. I admit that. But the the point of the matter is, they haven't faced a challenge. Well, Michigan State has not faced a challenge like Michigan. Michigan has definitely not faced a challenge like Michigan State. And when I think about who I trust more in that scenario, I'll I'll go with the team that had a bye week in preparation. I'll go with the team that can score in multiple ways. So if Michigan and the team that adjusts. To be honest, um, I'm not going to say that it doesn't concern me that MSU could go on this long lull because we've seen it. Michigan's talented enough to make it happen. Again, don't get me wrong. The offensive line concerns me because on the on Michigan's defensive line is, is probably their biggest strength. Their linebacker, Josh Ross, is a hell of a linebacker. I already mentioned Hutchinson. David Ojabo is a really nice uh, edge rusher, and they've got some dudes in the middle, too. I mean, there's a reason they do well in recruiting every year. They, they're, they're a talented team. But those corners still don't scare me. They're still going to play man defense. They don't. They play one high safety with Dax Dax Hill down in the box all the time. So if that's what they want to do, then they're going. Honestly, it's going to be kind of teams trying to defenses. I think are going to try to dictate this game in very similar ways. Like Michigan State is going to try to force Michigan to make those conservative completions to the outside. I don't know how Michigan's going to attack it from a secondary perspective, but I know they're going to sell out. My guess would be they're going to sell out to stop Kenneth Walker. I would be shocked if they don't do that because, and I don't blame them. Do do you remember the first two series of the uh, at Miami game and things were moving a little too fast for Michigan state's offensive line and quarterback and Jay Johnson did something smart and really uh, started to do some interesting stuff with quick play action or fake pitches all tight in a box to um, essentially uh, use Miami's aggression against them because Miami smelled blood being the more athletic uh, team, but they were definitely less disciplined and Michigan State used that to their advantage and started to create some pop plays um, as a result of it. A lot of decoys. I think you might see a lot of the same. I see if Michigan, um, they're going to cut some guys loose and, and try and make this a little too fast for an offensive line that I think everyone on, on both 
fan bases would agree for Michigan State is better than it was, but certainly one of the least uh, heralded units in the entire game, period. It, it's, it's an underwhelming group comparatively. So if, you, if they can find any semblance of um, – man, I think Jay Johnson just needs to make it a little easier on him. And, and, and the answer isn't Kenneth Walker be a Heisman candidate play. That, that's asking a little too much. So I think you're going to see that's bye week pay some dividends as Jay Johnson is going to show some things that maybe you haven't seen quite yet. Um, and some that you have back in the Miami game. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, a couple of things you said really made sense to me. The first is that those tight formations where they had those receivers bunched in kind of close, uh, would not be surprised to see that. I think you'll see a lot of, uh, tight ends playing in this game. Um, and, and staying in on uh, Hutchinson's side. And the good news is I believe Hutchinson lines up on the same side that like where our left tackle Jared Horse plays. Horse is your best individual lineman, so if you're going to have to take some chances, that's the guy you want to take chances with. Now, will he likely get a holding call on Hutchinson? Yeah, probably. Just be ready for that. But um, I also think, again, if you have to match up one for one, that's that's where you're going to you're gonna take that if you're Michigan State comparatively to the, to the rest of the options. Um, I think he needs to use play action really effectively. I mean, I mean, to your point, I, it kind of depends on how Michigan comes out, but like they're going to try to stop this run. The thing is, if they only put six in the box, I think MSU should try to run the ball, but if they're going to come down and commit seven or bring that, bring Hill down and try to take away the big play instead of the running play, the passing game, then you take what they give you. But I, I, I don't expect that. To, to be the case. But yes, I, I agree. The the game can't start out like Thorne's got to be that. This is a big game for him because to be honest with you, I think on both sides of the ball, to me, quarterbacks are going to win this game. And I know that's not some super brave thing to say when you're talking about a game of football, but like the quarterback play in this one is, I, I think both defenses are too good or too well-structured to have either one of them come out like MSU is not going to go out there and bully ball Michigan. And I don't think Michigan is going to come out and bully ball Michigan state. So it's going to come down to which one of these guys that aren't the ideal tone setters for either offense, which one of them is going to be able to play better? Which one of them is going to make fewer mistakes? Which one of them is going to be able to hit one or two big plays that are going to get your momentum going and put your team in a scoring position at this point. It's unquestionable that Peyton Thorne is the guy you want in your corner between these two options. That if you got to pick one of the two, it's Peyton Thorne that you want making plays. Um, but it, it really is going to boil down to them. One other thing is, I, I again, I want to go back to play action. To me, that is it's crucial, and it's where that bye week, like you said, really comes into play because Jay Johnson's got an extra week to study tape on that Michigan defense. I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. I really don't. Because, again, Michigan doesn't do much exotic stuff. They don't change things up a whole lot. So if you got an extra week to figure out, okay, how can I – maybe there's a better way to get Kenneth Walker the ball than just handing it to him in the backfield. Can I run a sprint to the right? Can I run a little bit of play action on a counter? Can I run a few more screens? Can I find a way to get the tight end involved? A couple drag routes? I, MSU has been – 
pretty standard in their offense, to be totally honest with you. They haven't utilized some any of those creative plays a, a, a ton, but I think this is a great game, again, to get, to get Kenneth Walker, Walker involved in the, in the passing game. I think Connor Hayward and Tyler Hunt both have some real possibilities for getting involved here uh, because that's what can loosen up the defense. And I think you're going to have to hit. You're going to have to, and I will not. Actually, I am going to say this right now. I think they're going to go for a home run throw early in this game. I would say on the first drive, you're going to see them take a minimum of one shot, maybe more, because Michigan is going to try to take Kenneth Walker away from you. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, at all if they try to run that first play flea flicker again, because what they're going to want to do, I'm dead serious, because I think they're going to try to loosen that cap on the defense. And will it work? Will it not work? Who knows? But if Michigan's going to come out and give you one-on-one coverage, you should feel good with either of your top receivers. And quite honestly, Trey Mosley, I think, could have a big game as a third receiver, um, especially if he's covered by a, a safety or, or they bring in a nickel. So um, I, I think MSU will try to loosen them up early so that maybe they can facilitate some some running somewhere along the line. But uh, it, it's Peyton Thorne's game. And, I, you know, you just have to hope that that extra week uh, – and maybe some confidence that he got out of being able to win a tough game at Indiana is going to end up helping him. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. I, I think you're right, and you also loosen up the stadium a little bit too. Absolutely. Just, you know, and and not even if you you don't hit, you're like, okay, let's you know, like there are going to be some shots today. You know, Jalen Naylor um, can't have a drop today. Be a really good yep to not do that. Um, I'm going to make some weird predictions. I think I am going to expect Cade McNamara to to throw for 230 yards or more and Michigan to have 80 yards or more of offense. But as we have already kind of indicated, I'm not sure how much that's going to impact um, the amount of points you should score, expect to score this game. Um, I think that it's going to definitely come down to uh, Michigan executing when when the field gets tight, as it has everyone that Michigan State's played today has struggled with. Um, it, it it kind of puts everyone on audition. If you can execute there, then you're you're going to beat Michigan State. You're going to that's how you win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get the yards, but there, that's the game. Um, and then I, I want, it's interesting you co- commented about Trey Mosley. You know, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, um, they're the best wide receivers on either team right now. And, and unfortunately for Michigan, it's because their top two guy, or at least, uh, excuse me, uh, Ronnie Bell is hurt. Absolute stud. So I think there's a little bit, it's been a little bit unfair to Cade McNamara. Everyone's saying, you know, oh, he's, he can't hit the long ball. Oh, he's, you know, there's nothing downfield. Well, his home run guy's gone. Now, I'm not making excuses for him, you know, next man up. I'm just saying it's not like he has guys that he's not hitting. I think Michigan definitely has talented wide receivers behind him, but Ronnie Bell is far and away the best one. And so that's one less thing for a really, man, uh, a group of corners on Michigan State who's thin and has seen a lot of bad and some good, that is good news for them. 
you're, you're playing some wide receivers who are at the level at the very least, um, but not better than receivers you've already played this year. So that's great news for Michigan State's passing defense. And, um, you know, as we've already talked about, too, it's a lot of debate about is Michigan's running game better than Michigan State's? Well, Michigan's offensive line is definitely better. But Kenneth Walker is the best player on either team. Mm-hmm. You know, he and Aiden Hutchinson, sorry, different kind of positions, but Kenneth Walker is the best offensive player on either team. And there's a lot to say about that. So Jay Johnson needs to be really thoughtful about how to get him touches. you got to get him more touches. And touches in places that he can do do things with it, not <laughs> making his first move three yards behind the line of scrimmage. So that's as we talked about the bye week. Uh, that's where you figure out how to make sure that he's touching the ball as many times as the ball game. Because you got game breakers on Michigan State's offense. It's just how many can you expect them to break against the best defense they've played this year? Let's see, you, you just hit on it. MSU has game breakers. And they have game breakers at not not to say Michigan doesn't because Blake Corum is really good. Hassan yeah. Haskins is really good. Yeah, but they're both running backs. Only one of them can have the ball at a time. MSU's got playmate got two really really good wide receivers and one running back who I would at a minimum say is on the level of either of the running backs that Michigan have. I would personally take Ken Walker, but. Uh, not to see that either of those two aren't really, really good players, because they are. So, again, all of that being said, that gives Michigan State an, an advantage. Because MSU doesn't really have to go outside of itself to find success offensively. That's that's what I mean when I talk about structure and the the identity. They don't have to go outside of what they've done this year to have success in one way or another. Michigan, if they are not running the ball successfully, is going to have to adjust and go outside of what they do in order to put points on the board. That is a monumental challenge for them and something they haven't been forced to do all season and thus have not had to practice or implement in real game time. Again, not to say that they can't do it because they absolutely could, but we haven't seen it yet. We've seen it for Michigan State, and it's it's an equally big challenge on both sides. I want to go to the other side, too. For Michigan State's defense, that D-line has to come to play. And one thing that I think is going to make a, a potentially a really big difference in this game is Michigan's pace of play. Michigan plays slow, plotting, run style, which is going to allow MSU to switch out and rotate a lot of positions, which they love to do, especially on the defensive line. That's going to keep guys fresh, and that's going to minimize the amount of wear and tear that they're going to get in, in theory, minimize Michigan's effectiveness later on in the game, which is really where they run away with these games, is right. when they are able to just bold, you just keep punching, keep punching, keep punching. And then you get late in the game, it's close, so they're already up, and they're just going to keep going. The other team kind of loses its will, and, and frankly, those defensive guys get tired, especially up front. MSU, for better or worse, at linebacker, they're going to rotate four guys. How that's going to end up, who knows, scares the shit out of me. But that defensive line, we've seen nine different guys do a lot of stuff up there. And this is where that depth could really, really pay off. So, and Michigan plays a style that is conducive to letting all those guys get in there and get snaps. So big, big test for, for that, um, front four 
more than more than anywhere else. Because if, if if they just keep playing the way they've played this year, and again, big test for them, probably the biggest so far. I mean, it's it, MSU can does things that put them in a place. I don't know. To me, that makes this a pretty decent matchup for them. You so, want, Austin, do you know? Do you want to know why? Michigan will not be able to bow a constructor. At the very least, they might, they can by talent, but not by uh, endurance. I know that can't happen because Michigan State has played defense is the six most seen the six most snaps in the country. They're on the field all the time, and they just had a bye week to recharge. And you might say to yourself, "Well, being on the field that much, that seems..." Like a lot, you know. The, seems, that seems bad. Well, they're twentieth in the nation in yards per play, in a good way. They're mm-hmm. only they're only giving up four point eight five. Their endurance won't be a problem. It's just a matter of how matter of how effective Michigan's offensive line is. Um, man, I think you're going to have a. I think it's going to be a great game. I think the home crowd can't be understated. That is going to be huge. And as we talked about, it's it's red zone conversions, field goals versus touchdowns. And and I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. And I would put my prediction is first to 24 wins this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, to me, it's – I pretty much agree with everything that you said. Um, I don't expect it to be a very high-scoring game. If it is – it won't be because both teams are scoring a ton of points. I think it will be because someone has just run away with this game. I think, a, and I could see that going either way, to be honest with you. I think MSU has enough big play pop that they could easily, uh, uh, not, I won't say easily, but I don't think it's this uh, totally unfathomable thing to say that they could hit three big plays in the first half and, and, and run away with it. Just as though it's it's just as it's not unreasonable to say that Michigan could be running the ball down MSU's throat and run away with it. Both both are equally possible. I think a big thing here will also be turnovers and and who's more composed and better coached. Quite frankly, we've seen some moments from Michigan State that are scary from a coaching perspective, where timeouts aren't called, stupid fumbles. Uh, you know, Peyton Thorns thrown really not many. Really not. I can't put too much on on Thorns back from a turnover perspective, but. MSU has the home field advantage, but they, whoever wants to win this game, got to play clean, and you got to be willing to adjust. I think the reason why I think MSU will win this game is because, for all the reasons I'm talking about, structurally, I like Michigan State's advantages. I don't think Michigan is this infinitely more talented team, and I think home field matters. I think home field matters in this one, and I think Michigan State has a better quarterback. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's a huge one, man. I mean, this is – you talk about what this could mean for either program. I mean, if you just uh, – this will be it because I know we're over two hours already, which is crazy. But from Michigan's perspective, this win would validate a lot. Like this, this would do a lot in the short term for Jim Harbaugh, because what happens is you turn around and then you go 10 and two, or you, yeah, you would go, even if you just lose one game this year, if it's to Ohio state, you've solved nothing. You know what I mean? So like, ultimately that's really what matters. But for the, in the short term, 
it buys him a lot of goodwill. If you look at it the other way, if Mel Tucker wins this game, what this does for him is, first of all, guarantees him a raise if he stays at Michigan State, which I hope he does. Uh, he's getting a nice raise no matter what. But what it could do for him on the recruiting trail and what it does for this program is it's going to be tough to overstate truly what, what this does, especially in the state of Michigan. You, you beat a, your rival top 10 undefeated. You launch yourself squarely into the college football playoff conversation. I mean, the amount of juice that you can get out of a week like this is, is, is big and it goes both ways. It goes both ways, but, uh, man, it is. It's hard to overstate how important this one could be for, for either side. This is as good as it gets for Michigan. This is the second worst team Mel Tucker will ever have. Ceiling, ceiling's the roof. This is just the beginning, folks. Strap in. Saturday will be fun. And I think you can't take away how big home field advantage will be. And the other thing I'm going to have you look out for when you're watching college game day, there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of crouton going on and you're going to like it. (laughs) You're going to see see Michigan state fans doing something that hasn't been done on college game day before. And I think it's going to move the needle. So move the needle with some people that Michigan State football program should want to move the needle with. So uh, take in the atmosphere. Get up early. Pour yourself a morning beer. Strap in. It's going to be an afternoon. It's going to be a day, that's for sure. Um, Confirmed. Yeah, we, we know that much. All right. Well, uh, extra long episode tonight, but I think, I think we all earned it. Um, as always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin, and we'll catch you next week. Hey, bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.